It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April eighteenth, two thousand and thirteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of uh, town tonight in Virginia preaching. And uh, in his place, I've asked Clay Gentry to come. And, Clay, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, bud. I really appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to talking with you on the program tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can contact us. And you can also use the chat window to the right of your video window if you're watching us on the live feed tonight. Well, uh, Clay, we asked you to come, and uh, we, we really did you dirty because we made you bring your own outline tonight. Uh, <laughs> That's but, all right. Uh, I'd, That's been, right. I'd been on your blog, uh, claygentry.com, and uh, you had a post that really intrigued me about phantom Bible verses. You explain to me where you're going with, with the idea of a phantom Bible verse. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I, I was down in Florida, and I heard a preacher give a lesson uh, mm-hmm. about words not written in red. And, okay. and I thought that was actually a pretty interesting uh, lesson, and like all preachers do when we hear somebody else preaching. I'm sitting there jotting down oh, yeah, all these yeah, notes, yeah. thinking about how I could make this sermon a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> make it different enough that you could. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and what I, the idea that I got while I was listening to that was explore common proverbial sayings that people think are biblical, mm-hmm. uh, but in fact they are not, wh- right. whether, it's, whether it's because of the actual wording itself right. or because of the concept. Mm-hmm. And so that really got me doing some digging and looking for some of these things, and uh, that's really kind of where this particular sermon. I came thought from. it would make for a good discussion, so I invited you to come tonight. Appreciate you being willing to join us. Um, you know, there's some dangerous things that, that these these so-called Bible verses mm-hmm. that really aren't. There's some dangerous uh, concepts that they convey, and we'll talk about those in the program tonight. Right. And uh, and we want to make sure that uh, what we believe and what we think is from God really is, because uh, it could have an effect on the way we live our lives. Oh, it can. And that's what I got into as I was writing some of these out. I recognized that some of them actually are rather benign. Yeah. It really doesn't make any difference right. whether you think this is from the Bible or not. But right. There really are some that are very serious, and, and that's the and ones dangerous. we're going to spend some time oh, with. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We want to hear from you on the program tonight, 877-381-4567. We asked for your feedback earlier today in our update list about the some of the phrases that Clay wants to talk about tonight. And then also... Uh, as we go on in the program, we ask you for uh, some additional phrases that you might have heard. And so if you've heard some people use phrases in a way that alludes to the fact they think they're in the Bible, or maybe you've in the past thought a phrase was in the Bible, you studied, you realized it wasn't, we'd like to hear from you on that. Uh, the chat room would be a good way for you to communicate that to us tonight. And then we'll look, look at the end of the program, hopefully, about how we can prevent uh, this type of uh, thinking from in, in creeping into our lives, because as we mentioned before, there can be some dangerous things that come yeah. along with these these saints. All right, let's get into the discussion then, uh, Clay. Again, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. We'd like to hear from you. The phone line is toll free and open tonight. We want to hear from you on the on the phones. The first one you had in your lesson, and and I thought it was very in- interesting. This the phrase "forgive and forget." That sounds biblical to me. Well, it sounds biblical because it's from Shakespeare. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you we use some of the same language. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. One of the things that, that I found out that uh, it actually comes from King Lear, and it was also in Don Quixote. Okay. Uh, both of those, uh, forgive and forget. Let us forget and forgive uh, all injuries. Okay. And, and I think of all these, this is probably the one that most people, at least most of your audience, uh, ha- has probably said. Yeah. How many times have we told somebody, hey, look, what you need to do is you need to forgive yeah. and forget. Yeah. And uh, how many times have we heard somebody say, well, I can forgive them, but I'll never forget it. Or I, 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 I don't even want to go down that road because there's no way I can forget what they've done. That's right. But I, I, I can't forgive I, them because I can't forget. Right, right. Have you ever tried to forget something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, purposely right. forget, try yeah. to forget something? You, you, you can't. You yeah. can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. And in fact, I think that's one of the things that we see uh, that really distinguishes us from God. 
God can purposefully not remember. Right. But humans can't. All right, let us know your thoughts about that. Is the idea forgive and forget scriptural? You can chime in the chat room tonight. Forgive and forget. Now, I do have to call your uh, attention to a passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, where God said, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So God said he forgives, and he says he won't remember the iniquity. Right. Does that mean that he forgets them? I. I, I think that it's it would be just a slight nuance in, in the words. Um, there there is a difference in not remembering and forgetting, obviously. Uh, but really, my my primary focus though on this is what about us? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I is it a requirement of me? Does the scriptures teach that as a Christian I have to forgive and forget? Okay. Do I have to forgive and forget? Okay. All right. I I, I would think that God uh, obviously could remember the past transgressions but i think the idea of remembering is that they're gone sure. they're they're out of the way they're 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 as good as never happened never having occurred right okay right. i would agree with that okay um but but then again my my and you and i were talking beforehand mm-hmm. we, we could probably come up with a lot of different angles on on these for, for why they could be scriptural right and, and really i'm just trying to focus on as i was presenting the lesson or as i do present the lesson uh, just on some some nuances on this, how we apply this to our individual lives. All right, let us know your thoughts about the idea of forgive and forget. Uh, Chris in uh, in, Brit- in Britain tonight uh, says uh, there are no actual source. There's no actual source for this. As to it being a scriptural principle, Hebrews chapter eight verse twelve says, "For I will be merciful to their iniquities and their sins I will remember no more." But this is on God's side. As to us, we are to forgive as per certain parameters. But I don't think I see forgetting in the same sense. So appreciate those, uh, Chris. I think I'd agree. Yeah, I would agree, too. When Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, there in the Sermon on the Mount, when he is teaching on prayer, and he follows that up with, with his instructions on forgiving. Right. And in Matthew chapter 18, when he talks about forgiving there, right. there is something that is strikingly absent from all that, and that's the injunction for us to forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. If, if we're supposed to forget, and this is an example that I use, then Paul did wrong in, in Galatians chapter 2 when he didn't forget Peter's sin of hypocrisy. Well, that's right, because he had he was writing about it to tell about yeah. what he had done. That's right. a good point. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, um, again about verse nine, when Paul's recounting all those past sins yeah. that the people had committed. Oh, yeah. uh, here again is this is stuff is being resurrected. Now, now in that, I don't want to say that uh, you, you know uh, we can't keep this record of wrongs in order to hold it over yeah. somebody's head. Yeah. We, we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, th- there are times when I think that we do need to recall. And bring up to the surface, hey, look, this is something you have done in the past. This is a sin you commit. I forgave you, but you've done it. Do you see this repeated pattern all the way through your life? We we need to address this issue. Or perhaps uh, you have a temptation with something, and you've asked for someone to forgive you of that, but you you would hope that they would remember it and maybe help you overcome that temptation in the future. Right. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to use this uh, like a Bible verse and say to somebody, look, you've got to forgive or forget. Or say, you're wrong, you're a sinner, you're not doing what the Bible says because you forgave me, but you didn't forget. Right. Uh, we, we can't use that. It's, it's just a proverbial saying that's been handed down to us All right. uh, from Shakespeare. All right, great. All right. Uh, well, we have a, uh, let's see, uh, in the chat room, Tim says, I think the word forget in that sense does not really mean wipe it from your brain's memory. I think it just means that you put, uh, you put it away no longer dwelling on the wrong. And that's true. I, I, so. I would agree I, with I that. Would agree with I that. would agree with All that. All right. Uh, and uh, guest 929 says, I don't know if we could wipe anything away from our memory. And uh, Tim agrees, not on purpose. I saw a movie about that once. It had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it could happen in the movies, but yeah. I don't know. You know, you think about, I mean, you can imagine some terrible uh, sins and uh, tres- trespasses against you that someone could commit. Yeah. I mean, it would be impossible for you to actually forge- forget those things, but you'd be obligated to forgive if they had asked for your for your forgiveness. And, and, and again, what we don't want to do, and we might get into this a little bit later as we kind of talk about the source of this and how to combat it, what we don't want to do is is use these like Bible scriptures. Yeah. That's what we don't want. All right, 877-381-4567. You know, I've known people, I think, uh, Clay, who couldn't forgive because they were bound up, I think, on this idea of, of yeah. I, I can't forget. I couldn't really put that behind me. And I'll tell you, when, when I preached this sermon, I, I've preached it now uh, at least twice that, that I know of, that, and that was at two different places. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe, can, maybe you need to hear it twice at the same yeah, time. You can see light bulbs going off in people's minds. You know yeah, when you're preaching, yeah, you yeah, go along, yeah, and people really just start getting You can physically yeah, see yeah, that on their face. Yeah. This is the one. That's the, that's the reason I pulled it out at the very beginning. You can automatically see light bulbs going off in people's minds. Okay. That one affects a lot. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Well, quickly, before we get to our next break, you had uh, you had mentioned another one. Um, and it, we, we, we can't underestimate uh, or, or understate the importance of forgiveness before we go on. Right. We can't under, understate that. I mean, our forgiveness hinges on the fact of whether or not we're forgiving others. Absolutely. And uh, we're also not to hold a grudge and yes. uh, be bitter. Oh, and so it, we've got to make sure that we that this, that as we talk about this, that we don't forget those fundamentals. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, the idea of forgiving is not imperative. If we if you, if it's in our memory still, we can't we can go on. All right. Uh, the next the next. Uh, Phantom Bible verse. Okay, the, the next one is uh, moderation in all things. That, that's the second one that I, I go in depth in in, uh, in this particular sermon. In fact, that actually comes from Aristotle. It was part of his uh, doctrine of the means. In fact, I think somebody even points that out. Uh, yeah, Chris points that out uh, in his email. Yeah. Uh, that really what Aristotle is saying there is, is he was looking for uh, the, the middle ground. Uh, one of the examples is courage. Mm-hmm. Courage is the middle ground between rashness and fear. Uh, and, and so he would say moderation in all things would actually bring up uh, the best emotions and the best reactions uh, in people. But that's not how it's used today. Okay. Uh, in, in fact, the, the way it's used today is a person will typically, when uh, presented with a temptation, say uh, maybe to go out with the guys after work to the local bar, uh, will jokingly say, well, I guess I could go moderation all things, right? Right, yeah. And, and so it's used as an excuse uh, to be able to sin. Right. To say uh, moderation all things. That yeah. Is if it's okay to sin so long as I just sin a little. Everything falls under that umbrella. You can do anything you want as long as it's in moderation. Right. right. Yeah. Now, now, if, if somebody's out there using a King James Bible, uh, they might think about Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5. Uh, where it's translated there, let your moderation be known right. to all men. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a better translation, in fact, and I say better, I'm not a translator, but uh, if you look in some other translations, it really hinges more on the idea of gentleness. Yes. Let your gentleness be known to, to all men. All right. Uh, and so we do need to be temperate, uh, but but we don't need to have this uh, this idea that it's okay to dabble a little bit in sin so long as we do it in moderation. All right, let's take that to the that idea to the break and get our listeners' thoughts in the chat room. What do you think about this idea of moderation in all things? Is that a scriptural concept in your opinion? And if so, how does it apply? And if you don't believe it's scriptural, let us know why. Well, let us know what some of the dangers uh, you see in that. Before we go to our break, though, guest nine twenty nine makes this statement in the chat room, Clay. Uh, guest 929 says, I want to be forgiven of my sins, so I will be willing to forgive anyone else regardless if they ask for my forgiveness or not. What do you think about that? I think that's another show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there, that that is one of those sticky wickets. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about, when we see forgiveness addressed in the scriptures, there there, has, there is always attached with it this idea uh, that, that repentance is being made by the one who is seeking forgiveness. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't want a person to walk away saying, well, if nobody comes and asks for forgiveness or repents, then I'm I'm free to hold this grudge against right. them and not forgive. Right. Right. I, I don't ever want to go down that road. It's a very sticky wicket yes. and how you, how you sort it out in your mind. But I do agree with you that we do see uh, repentance and requesting of the forgiveness imperative in our forgiving others, just as we are to follow the pattern that God has set forth in our forgiveness, and he requires the same of us today. Uh, so uh, you'd be asking me to do something that is better than God if you're asking me to forgive people who don't uh, seek my forgiveness. Right. And what I uh, what I would say uh, to, to the person in the chat room, uh, I, I like what you're saying. I, I like right. that heart. Right. I like right. that. That what you're saying, and I think it would mirror the heart that Jesus had in saying, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." He wasn't asking God to forgive them all on the spot, but he was saying, "Make this forgiveness available. I want them to be forgiven of this sin. I don't want it to be held but, on." But their one head. of the things, though, if if we got enough time, I'll say this: uh, I, I hear, I think sometimes, and not for everybody. I'm not trying to paint a broad brush, but I think sometimes people will will say that, and I'm not accusing the person of doing this, but sometimes people will say that as an excuse for not actually going to the person. Oh. And talking to yeah, them yeah, about we're that not, sin, we're not implying that, like that, we that, see in Matthew right. 18. Uh, that's a good. That's a good point. Okay. All right. Um, now, 
we want to know during the break, do you think moderation in all things is scriptural? Guess 929 says it is. Henry P. in the chat room says no. And so what do you think? You think that the idea of moderation in all things is a scriptural concept? We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when good brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit us soon. Come and see for yourself. Visit us at the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, got Clay Gentry joining us tonight. So we're talking about phantom Bible verses, verses that people think are in the Bible but actually aren't. And we want to hear your thoughts on those. We've asked the question about moderation in all things. Is it a scriptural principle or is it unscriptural? Maybe, they, maybe you think there are some scriptural applications to that, and maybe you think there's some unscriptural ap- applications. As we talked before, exactly, there could be angles on all of these, and we'll look at some of those angles as we go along. Uh, in the chat room, to wrap up the idea of forgiveness, uh, guest 929 says, The father of the prodigal son forgave his son before he even said anything. Clay, your thoughts along that line? Well, I think one of the things that you see in the parable of the prodigal son is that the prodigal son is repenting. And yeah. he is showing, if you want to use uh, something that John the Baptizer said, he is showing fruits of that repentance. That, just the idea that he's walking back home. By the idea of just coming back home. Yeah. yeah. And um, as you look at it, I, I think there are too many factors that are going on there that's all wrapped in together yeah. uh, for the person in our chat room to be able to start kind of dissecting all of that. Uh, he's come to his senses. He's repented. He's coming home. The father sees him. He runs to him. The prodigal speaks. He cuts him off. I think yeah. you've got too much working there in order to be able to kind of start dissecting all, all right. that. All right. And that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a discussion for another program. Right. We, could really, we spent a whole program on forgiveness in the past, and we'd encourage you to look it up in the, in the archives. And uh, if you have, if you want to listen to that and then share your thoughts with us on forgiveness, we'd welcome them at questions at collegeu.com. Before the break, we asked the question about moderation in all things. Sure. We've had it uh, bannered back and forth in the chat room. Some say it's scriptural. Some say it's not. We talked before the program. There could be scriptural applications to the idea of moderation, all things. Although it's not a biblical uh, statement, it's, you can't find this in the scriptures. You may could find the concept, but I think I might have to argue that you don't have moderation in all things. Right. You need to have moderation in something. Well, like I said before, we you know we started the show. If you and I went down here to the Lucky Bamboo Restaurant, which is you know, a Chinese restaurant, which is the Chinese restaurant, yeah, yeah, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know if we go in there. Jacob, you and I need to express a little moderation and, right. and all things on that buffet. Right, that's right. There's yeah. some good there's some good food there, and, and uh, you could very easily be guilty of gluttony that's if right. you're not careful. That's right. Okay. But but to go back to the to this very broad concept, this moderation in all things, I would have to say that it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural in its wording. You can't find the wording there. Right. It's not scriptural in its concept. Uh, for anyone who would say that it is, I would just remind you of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 and Galatians 5 and 9. A little leaven leavens right. the whole lump. Right. Get it all out. That's right. A, yeah. a little sin in our life, uh, even though it may be in moderate forms, is still sin. Yeah. It's still transgression. It's still lawlessness. Yeah. That's on one side. But think about the other side for just a minute. Am I allowed to show moderation love? No. Am I allowed to show moderation joy and happiness? No. Am I allowed to give moderation 
to give moderately uh, right. to those who are in need? Right. Uh, am I only supposed to preach moderately right. parts of the scriptures or right. the whole counsel of God? Right. Uh, and so moderation in all things, while it's used in a sense of justifying sin, right. uh, it actually has that other side of that coin. Okay. And we can't do any of it. All right. There, there's some good comments in the chat room. Guest 929 makes a good uh, comment. Moderation is something Americans have a dif- a dif- difficulty practicing. Would you agree with that comment? I would agree with I that. I mean, you yeah. Can, yeah, it's very, very obvious. We don't uh, use moderation in, uh, well, in, at the dinner table, for right. instance. Right. Okay. Well, you know, and, and this is something, though, that dawned on me as I was kind of putting this together is, uh, is that idea of moderation in, in actual good things. Yeah. That we need to give ourselves wholly to good things and totally refrain from the bad things. Right. And as Americans, there are times when, you know, honestly, we're not as emotional as we need to be. We're okay. a little more stoic. Okay. Uh, and so we, we show moderation in that. But you're right. At the dinner table, give okay. me an extra serving of rolls, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Henry in the chat room says, but in all things, so a little murder is fine. Yeah. There again, that, that, right. that statement, that, that broad brush of a statement there. It, it it cannot be uh, scriptural. Right. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, oh, uh, Kevin in uh, Arkansas says we are supposed to be liberal in our giving, so that doesn't fit the moderation model of all things. That's right. And that's good. Appreciate that, Kevin. How about moderation in all things that are illegal? Does that uh, make it right? No. You, but, I mean, that is the way that the statement is used for those things that are unauthorized, unscriptural, and uh, sinful. Well, that's okay. A little moderation that's right. is okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, nine, guess nine, nine twenty nine says, "I believe we must go to someone who has." Uh, okay. Okay. Guess nine twenty nine is commenting on your forgiveness thing and, uh, oh, and okay. agrees with you on that. Um, and then uh, Rebecca says, "I think moderation is a very sticky concept because I believe it is. It really isn't said word for word in Scripture. So take the idea of it wrong and use it as a reason to get as close as they can." to that line of sin and instead of actually using wisdom to stay as far away from the sin as they can. Yeah. You, you know, uh, that one of the things that I've, all, I've often said about that line, if we'll just leave the line behind uh, and draw near to God, we'll always be safe. We'll always be safe. Right. All right. And, and, and if we see sin as it is, we won't be tempted towards that moderation. And if we realize how terrible it is and how much it messes up our lives, how much it costs God and Christ, if we see sin as black and dark as it is, we won't be tempted to have a little moderation in it. Right. Uh, right. If we we'll really see it as it is, we'll have those that scriptural perspective on life that we should. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let us know your thoughts. We'd like to hear from you on the phone. Um, Anthony in the chat room says, on the other side of the coin, temperance is biblical. And uh, and it certainly is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And self control uh, is uh, we need it in all areas of our lives. We and, do. And uh, and it is a very um, very difficult thing to to, to accomplish. You, you know, that's one thing though. As I think about what the Bible teaches on temperance, and again, I'm just kind of coming here off the top of my head. Maybe this gets you in trouble sometimes. But but when I think about what the Bible teaches on temperance, it, it's really about evil and wicked things, the things that 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 we need, need to be refraining from um, and and right. things that can lead us to right. sin. Right. And so b- b- both of right. those things. But again, I think that oftentimes we get this whole idea of temperance in all things. Right. Moderation in all things. Again, going back to that idea. Right. right. And that could keep us from doing good things that we need to be doing more of. Right. Or giving ourselves right. holy. Well, that, that, that's the idea is that you don't, you don't want to get too fanatical about your religion. Right. You want to put it in a little compartment and, and don't let it take up too much of your life. Well, yeah, you know, just think about the local assembly. We don't want to sing too loud. Right. And, right. and we don't want to say an amen too loud. Right. And we don't want to talk to people about the scriptures that right. much. They might think we're a Bible thumper. Right. Right. We don't want to study our Bible that much. We, you know, and, yeah. and we need to make sure that, that we're showing temperance in the right things and giving ourselves fully to those things that is required. Okay. And self-control seems to be related to the idea of moderation. I will not be brought under the power of any. But to be sure, most people use this phrase to justify evil, Anthony concludes. So appreciate those comments, Anthony. Um, all right. Um, uh, and I guess 929 agrees with you on your interpretation of moderation there in Philippians. The Greek word moderation means gentle, patient, and yielding. Thank you, 929. 
Okay, appreciate that. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's uh, let's go on to the next one and uh, get get some thoughts out there before our break, so that our listeners can. Oh, uh, we need to get uh, before I do that. Chris in the UK has uh, an answer here. Uh, moderation, all things. Uh, he uh, agrees with you. It is an allusion to a thought by Aristotle. He was arguing for the balance, uh, say, in bravery between foolhardy courage and uh, abject cowardice. As to Scripture, there is 1 Corinthians 9.25, and every man that striveth in the games exerciseth self-control in all things. Uh, now they do it to receive a, a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Uh, which more a, a temperance or self-control thing, there can no way uh, be an inference uh, that the Bible allows a little bad as long as you're moderate, but self-control uh, to strive for his good calling. What about that? That is a, that is an interesting passage. First Corinthians nine verse twenty five. Well, again, uh, he's using the athlete metaphor, mm-hmm. and, and the athlete is not going to mo- be moderate in the things that are totally harmful to him. Right, right. And, and so again, even the metaphor that's used to explain right. that proves what we've been saying. Right. Uh, that this cannot allow for moderation actually in all things. Well, and self-control, I mean, self-control as it, 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 it uh, relates to sin, self-control in that area would mean you don't do it. Right. Uh, I'm under control. I'm not going to yeah. do that. I, I, I have my tongue under control. I'm not going to I'm not going to say those words. I'm not going to say just a little. No, I'm not going to say them at all. Yeah. I've got it under control. All right. Your next thought as we go to the break, uh, the next phrase that we want to look at uh, tonight is the idea, to thine own self be true. Where did that come from? It didn't come from the scriptures. Where did it come from? No, it actually comes from Hamlin. And uh, because it sounds uh, King Jamesy, Yeah, thine and <laughs> thine. Yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, it, it must, uh, so many people think that it's actually from uh, the scriptures. In fact, though, uh, its Victorian meaning and the way that Shakespeare used it, again, is totally different than the way we, we often see it. What, what, uh, what was... Uh, uh, the way it was used in Hamlet, Hamlet didn't actually speak these words, uh, was, look, don't lie to yourself. Because mm-hmm. if you can't be true, full, as we would say, to yourself, then you can't be truthful to anybody else. Okay. That was the implication. That's not the way it's used today. No, the way it's used today is to say, uh, you're a drunkard? To thy known self. <laughs> uh, you want to practice homosexuality? To thy known self. Do what sure. you want to do. Do what you want to do. Do, however, do what you think. You have been created to do. Do what makes you happy. That's right. And really the illustration that, that I use in this sermon, I don't know if uh, recently you saw in the news about a, uh, a, a couple of parents who are suing the school because the school will not allow their quote-unquote transgendered six-year-old. Mm. He is a boy who dresses like a girl. At six years old. At six years old. Lives like a girl. Acts like a girl. Mm. And... Wants to use the girls' bathroom, but the school won't allow them. And, and I got to doing some research into this, and the parents said that the reason they're doing this is because at the at the age of 18 months, their son said, "I want to be a girl. Mm. I am a girl." Mm. And so they have been doing. They they have bought the lie mm. that, that to thine own self you you have to be true. And in fact, our society is so narcissistic that, that we're perpet- people perpetuate this. Okay, uh, you you got to be true to yourself. Right. Now, like we have been saying, or do we need to go to a break? No, we're going to go to a break. Okay. Set it up for us. So as we have been saying, there, there are some aspects to, to all of these that, that though they're not, it's not a scriptural saying, there might actually be some good qualities. This is one of them. Okay. I've mean, I, I got to know my strengths and weaknesses. All right. let's, let's, I've got to be true to that. Let's talk about that. Okay. On, uh, what applications to this idea to thine own self be true could be scriptural. But I think overwhelmingly we're going to see that this uh, statement is used to... Uh, justify things that are unscriptural yeah and uh, so what do you see as the dangers to this idea to thine own self be true uh we want to hear your thoughts uh on the program tonight we're going to go to a break and uh, when we get back from the break we'll continue the discussion what about the idea to thine own self be true give us a call right now 877-381-4567 don't go anywhere we'll continue right after this these guys are doing all of the talking we need to hear from you call in now the virtual bible study continues right after this This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. The wagons have been circled and the Indian attack is underway. But the captain continues to urge his men to hold your fire. He knows that every shot taken must find its mark. The enemy numbers are too great and the ammunition supply is too limited to waste any bullets. He wants his soldiers to make their shots count. Do you remember those good old westerns? 
There's a spiritual lesson we could learn from that scene. Very often as we work together in the church, there will be points of conflict or disagreement. Sometimes these will center on points of doctrine, and other times the issue will be one of judgment. It's important to recognize the difference so that we can make our shots count when they are really needed. In matters of doctrine, we cannot yield to any man. See Acts 5.29 or Galatians 2 verses 4 and 5. To do so would jeopardize our relationship with God. See 2 John verses 9 through 11. In such cases, we must speak up immediately and forcefully. But in situations where judgments must be made, where alternate courses of action are equally scriptural, we need to hold our fire. The New Testament uses the word submit. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Too often we find Christians who are ready to blaze away at any and every point of controversy, even when these involve very simple and relatively unimportant judgments. When they do this, they waste shots that they should have saved for more crucial issues. We knew a man who griped and complained about every decision made in the church. He criticized the color of paint and the style of carpet. He had petty grievances about the Bible classes, the song books, and the way the preacher did his work. And he held back none of this. He was loud and vocal, and everyone knew his opinions. One day, a really serious doctrinal issue developed. He spoke up, and he was right, but no one listened. You see, he wasted all of his ammunition. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> and at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, come and visit with us to find out more. If you're not in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we welcome your comments or your questions at any time. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you communicate with us. If you hear something on an edition of the virtual Bible study that you have questions about, maybe you disagree, we would welcome those comments. And if you have a suggestion for a future uh, topic of, on the program, we'd welcome that as well at questions at collegeview.com. It's also the way you can participate in the program tonight as we talk about phantom Bible verses with Clay Gentry. Clay, we've had some really good uh, discussion so far, and we left into the break about the idea, to thine own self be true. And we asked the question of our listeners, is it scriptural? Is it not scriptural? Yes, 929 says we need to know ourself and seek our self-improvement. It's not about doing whatever we want to do, I guess 929 concludes. But that is true. We do need to know ourselves. And so, as you alluded to earlier uh, before the break, you've got to know what your what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. Yeah, you get, you, you got to know um, what what you're good at, yeah. what you're not good at. Yeah. Look at, uh, you got to know temptations in your life. Right. You've got to know... Uh, where where you're going to stumble. You know, one of the things that uh, you asked if I wanted to put that laptop up here and I could follow the chat room, man, I know I can't do that. So you're going to be to yourself? You're <laughs> that's gonna right. i got to be true to myself, man. I, I can't, I can't look at all this stuff. That That's exactly right. Okay. But that's not how it's so often used. Right. And what it's – people use it uh, in, in such a way – go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. As, as to say, look, I, I want to follow my own sinful desires. Or it's what I think. Or it's what hey, I think. Hey, you know, I just think. i, I got to be true to myself. I think that I ought to do this, even though it's in the face of what God said to do. I, you know, i just got to be true to myself. Right. In my heart, I think it's the right thing to do. That's right. It doesn't make, that'd make a hill of beans. That's right. All right. Uh, Kevin in, uh, in Arkansas has a good passage. John 5, verse 30, where Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which is sent me. Jesus wasn't even true to himself. Right. He was true to the Father. He did that's what the Father exactly wanted. That's exactly right. Okay, good. And that's what we're called to do, is to be true to God and, and not true to ourselves or 
in at least in this spiritual way. I, I know we've we've already talked about how to be true to ourselves. Okay. Uh, All right. Nine twenty nine says uh, most people want the truth. They don't want others to tell them of their weaknesses. Proverbs seventeen verse seventeen says a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Mm. Yeah. You know, if I'm to be true to my own self, you'd have to be true to my to me too. So, I mean, if I'm doing sinful things, you just have to be true to that. If right. that statement is true. Right. Uh, Rebecca in the chat room says, if we're to be true to ourselves, then how about we use these verses to come to terms with who we are? And she references First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Or do you not know that your body is a mm-hmm. temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? For you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. These verses laid out very plainly. God is in us, and we're to live our lives for him. Well, you, you know, while you're staying in 1 Corinthians 6, one of the passages that, that I've got written in my notes is uh, verses 9 through 11. I know they're often quoted, but think about these verses in the context of the way the world uses to thine own self be true. Okay. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor mm-hmm. idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. That's, that's right. That's what they were. That's what they were. They, but what the, what the world would say is, if you have homosexual tendencies, right. then you are gay, right. and you need to be true to yourself right. and follow that desire. Or the world would say, and look, I've, 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 I promise that this, this, I had a guy tell me this. He was not going to come back to the Lord because he was a redneck. And you know what rednecks do, Jacob? They get drunk on the weekends yeah. and they carouse around in bars. And he said, that's who I am. I can't change it. I can't change it and I'm not going to change it. I've got a hot temper. That's right. That's just who I, I got to be that's true. That's just who I am. I, I can't help it. That's right. I got to be true to that. That's right. That's not what the scriptures teach. That's not what the scriptures teach. In and fact, the scriptures teach just the opposite. That's right. If you have those temptations, whatever they may be, no. that does not make who, that's not who you are. Unless you're committing those sins. Right. And if you're committing those sins, you're told to repent of those and be what God wants you to be. All right. Uh, Rebecca says, if we're to be true to ourselves and we ha- are uh, to be true to the one who made us and the one who is uh, in the deepest desire of our heart. Well, Thank you, Rebecca. I think one of the things that, that uh, we might have this queued up, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. The, the very first part of that verse it is really where we need to be and what we need to be. All right, uh, Jeff is behind the controls tonight. Jeff, we haven't heard from you. Why don't you read that passage? Okay, and it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if if he shall gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his life? All right. I, I, I see a passage there that says, don't be true to yourself. Yeah, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Lose your life and who you are yeah. and find it in Christ. Yeah. Uh, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, mm. but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. That's not, Paul's not being true to himself. Yeah. He, he's he's mortifying himself, yeah. I guess, if you want to say it that yeah. way, yeah. and allowing Christ to live in him. All right, excellent comments, and we we'll appreciate those. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. How many times have you heard people talk about being religious? Well, that's just not me. Yeah, that's just not me. That's right. I can't do it. I, it's just not me. And and that's sad yeah. uh, that the world has sold us this lie yeah. that we got to be true to ourselves. All right. Rather than denying ourselves. All right. 877-381-4567. Send your thoughts in the chat room, and we welcome your emails as well. In uh, our email inbox this afternoon from Chris in the U.K., appreciate Chris for commenting. He says, uh, this idea of to thine own self be true is taken from Shakespeare's Hamlet, which also has neither a borrower or a lender be. As far as Scripture is concerned, the Lord as shepherd leads us into paths of righteousness, and the ways that seem good to man lead to destruction. Uh, all right. Uh, that is a, a, is excellent. So if you're going to be true to yourself and you uh, want to say, well, that's just the way it's got to be, then uh, you're going to be led in ways of destruction, according to the Scriptures. And uh, uh, Ramona in Texas, uh, again, says this came from the plague Hamlet. Uh, this above all, to thine own self be true, it must follow as the night, the day, thou canst not uh, then be false to any man, as she quotes uh, Shakespeare there. Uh, better advice would be seek the will of the Lord. In Psalm 105, verse 4, she references, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Be true to the Lord. Yeah. Thank you for that comment, Ramona. All right, one more uh, that you had uh, that we had. Planned.
pose to our listeners today. Uh, God helps those who help themselves. Explain that one to me. Well, uh, this particular one, uh, particularly for Americans, uh, was made popular by Benjamin Franklin. Uh, but it actually finds its roots in Aesop's fables, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the fable of Hercules and the Wagoneer. Okay. Uh, there's a Wagoneer who's going along, driving his wagon, and has fallen into a ditch, and he cries out to Hercules uh, to come and help him get his wagon out of a ditch. Okay. And Hercules says the gods only help those who help themselves. In other words, get it out yourself, Paul. Get it, basically, get it out yourself. Yeah. And, and Benjamin Franklin, as wise as he was in all of his proverbial sayings, uh, that have been handed down to us. He was a deist. He did not believe that God actually helped man. Mm-hmm. And so when he says God helps those who help themselves, he is saying you don't need God okay. because you can just help yourself. Yeah. But as, as there are so many people who actually believe this is a scriptural verse. This yeah. comes right out of the Bible. In fact, uh, I heard just the other day that Bill O'Reilly uh, on his show on Fox News, was was railing against uh, the unemployment and unemployment benefits. And he says, and as the Bible says, <laughs> God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. And the problem is, it doesn't say that. All right. Well, does it imply it? Let's hear from you. Is it scriptural? Is the idea that God helps those who help him themselves, is that scriptural? Let us know in the chat room tonight. Or is it unscriptural? I think there's a lot of ways it's unscriptural, but perhaps I can think of some ways that it's scriptural. Uh, for instance, uh, God says that he'll provide for our needs, but he also tells us that if any man will not work, neither should he eat. And so I would say there's one place where God helps those who help himself. God is going to help us, but he expects us to be active on uh, uh, on that on the end as well. well what, what I would say to that is God expects us to act in faith, Yeah, which is just a little bit different. Because okay. God helps those who help themselves is really the great mantra of self-reliance. Okay. Yes, and, yes, and, I agree with that. And we can't be self-reliant. Okay. We are got to be totally dependent and reliant upon God. All right, let's hear from you. A guest 929 says, we are helpless. We have sin in our life, Romans 3.23, and condemned as a result of that sin, Romans 6.23. Nothing can we do on our own uh, that can re- remedy this situation, Isaiah 64, verse 6. Thankfully, God is the helper of the helpless. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us, Romans 5, verse 8. Jesus said the penalty that we were incapable of paying, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Uh, he paid that, and uh, God provided the help that we need precisely because we could not help ourselves. Appreciate those comments, 929. Oh, I was oh reading, you I was were reading, reading my notes. yours and not listening to 929. That's okay. I was. I wrote okay. down here, 929, make spiritual application. This person is really smart, and I appreciate all the comments. <laughs> I uh, appreciate that 929, and I agree with that. God if, helped us because we could not help ourselves. We were uh, sinners, and and yet Christ died for us. And in fact, Nothing that we did to merit it. That's right. And in the lesson uh, that, that we're kind of referencing and, and using, that I actually took the spiritual angle on that. And yeah. that's what I wanted to see because I think a lot of people have this concept that they've got to work their way to God. Yeah. And and so God's going to kind of meet them halfway. And so i got to get my life right then I will come to Jesus. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to become a Christian yet because I, there's still things in my life. I right. Change. And so I'll, God's going to help those who help themselves right. Yeah. And so let me get my life right, and yeah. then I will come to God and yeah. be that religious Christian okay. that you're asking okay. me to be. All right. Uh, Kevin says this promotes our own self rather than a reliance on God. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And Anthony says there's a grain of truth in this, but not a ton. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. All right, I uh, appreciate that. Um, what about it? Uh, the, the, the idea is, and maybe we should take a break and get our listeners' uh, thoughts to continue to, to, to chime in here and then we can get that on the other side. What about this idea? Is there? Where do you see it going wrong? Where do you see it being unscriptural? We've got a couple of responses from our listeners in email. We'll take your responses as well. We'll take a break. When we get back, we also want to look at uh, some other listeners. Our listeners have supplied some other verses that mm-hmm. are, are phantom verses, not really in the Bible that people think are. And then how do we avoid them? We want to talk about that. Got a lot to talk about on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? 
Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you could always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're trying to be like a church you read about in the Bible, and we're still doing the same things that you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return for the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself at the College View Church of Christ. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program, and we appreciate you for joining us, and appreciate Clay Gentry for joining us with this good topic tonight, Phantom Bible Verses, God Helps Those Who Help Themselves. Uh, this is almost a quote from Aesop, uh, according to uh, Chris in the U.K., Hercules and the Wagoneer, as you referenced, uh, and uh, which Ben quote, Franklin misquotes by putting God in the singular. Uh, Romans 5, verse 6, he references, but for while we were yet weak, in due season Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, verse 8, but God commended his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Appreciate those thoughts. Again, uh, nothing that we did to merit it. So God didn't save us because we helped ourselves and uh, pulled ourselves out of the ditch. Right. Okay. Um, And then uh, quickly before your your comments there, um, uh, Ramona says um, uh, that trust in your Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Uh, this is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Uh, Cursed is one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Mm. He references Proverbs 28, 25, and 26. A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Appreciate that. So uh, Ramona is telling us we need to trust in God, not in ourselves. And, and I think that the uh, parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee going to the temple to pray in Luke chapter 18 is is the parable, is at least one of the parables that illustrates this fact right, for us. Right. I, if, if, if this saying is true and it's biblical, then the Pharisee, boy, he, he was on the straight and narrow and he was heading to heaven. Right. There wasn't nothing that was going to get in his way. Right. And the tax collector didn't have a prayer. Right. Uh, but in fact, the tax collector is the one who walked away justified because he humbled himself. Mm-hmm. Now, now I want to say that that, that there, it doesn't mean that there's nothing that we have to do. As 929 in the chat room says, we must be obedient to his will. We have earned nothing. And that's, okay. that's the caveat. But in Luke chapter 17 and verse 10, mm-hmm. even after we have done all that we right. have been commanded to do, that's we right. are still unworthy slaves. That's right. And, and so as I kind of think about this, we don't we don't work our way up to meet God. We don't work halfway, um, or God's not going, only going to help those who are going to help themselves spiritually right. first and right. get their life right first. The way that I've I've often thought about, and I've tried to illustrate this, and uh, forgive me if this isn't working for everybody, but it works for me. What God has done for me, if we could lay this out and make some measurement, what God has done for me is the equivalent of a light year. Mm-hmm. What's required of me is the equivalent of a sixteenth of an inch. Okay. All right. And and that helps me wrap my mind around how pathetic anything I actually do and I'm commanded to do really is in contrast to what God has done for me. That's right. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> but at the same time we can't diminish the fact God demands of us that we're obedient. True. Uh, but it doesn't merit our salvation. Right. And uh, so that that uh, that would help summarize uh, our thoughts. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's look at our listeners quickly. I think I took uh, I've got both of those. Uh, what about um, I ask uh, uh, Clay of our listeners today? Uh, do they know of any other phantom verses? We'll take these quickly and comment on them. I think you had some of these on your list. Sure. Uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. What about that one? Yeah, that one actually dates back, if I remember right, to second century rabbinical teaching, and then it was picked up by John Wesley. Okay. Uh, that, that cleanliness is next to godliness. Okay. And, um, again, that one's not found in Scripture. It's a phantom Bible verse. Uh, and, in fact, one of, the, one of the problems with that verse is that we can begin to elevate or, at the very least, kind of push down uh, that person that may not necessarily have the best hygiene okay. uh, or their house just isn't as clean and as neat and as tidy or their property right. is not. And so we can kind of elevate ourselves, particularly when, you know, when we're wearing Old Spice and all that. <laughs> and uh, we smell better than everybody else. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of danger in, in that particular one. All right. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's true. I would say there is some uh, scripturalness to it in the idea of slothfulness. Yeah. Uh, God uh, it shows us that some of that, that you know, the property of the man who's uh, slothful, his right. property is overgrown, and God condemns uh, slothfulness. Uh, but, so, but, yeah, but it's not a scriptural uh, verse. 
from uh, Ramona. God works in mysterious ways. Ramona and Chris, both in the U.K., uh, reference that. God works in mysterious ways. In fact, that's actually uh, from a poem. Uh, I think the title of the poem is God works in mysterious ways, if I remember okay. correctly. Uh, and in that poem, uh, he, the writer is kind of wanting to come up with a way of explaining God's providence mm-hmm. uh, or God's providential actions. And, um, you know, the thing about that particular one, and I don't mean to bash all these, <laughs> okay. but, but we use that one so often uh, as a way of trying to console people who have had bad things happen to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, just God just works in mysterious right, ways, right. Jacob. You <laughs> just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I get that. I get that. But at the same time, we could be attributing to right. God some things that God had right. absolutely nothing to do other than allowing them to happen. Right. Uh, I think Job would be that example. Right. Would be right. the example. Right. I, I agree. I see that there, there's danger. And that is that it, people are very fast to attribute everything that happens in their lives to God. And yeah. uh, that, that this is God's work. You, you, you've got cancer. Well, God works in mysterious ways. Right. Maybe, maybe God's not the reason why you have that. That's cancer. right. Uh, but on the other side of that, Romans chapter 11, verse th- th- uh, 33 says uh, his ways are past finding out. So we don't That's understand true. how God works. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, I think that that is the danger that so we're attributing things to God that aren't from him. Uh, all right. And uh, f- this one comes from Randy. And it also comes in Missouri, also comes from uh, Ramona in Texas. Money yep. is the root of all evil. Yes. Uh, in fact, I, I call that one a misquoted yes. uh, Phantom Bible verse. The person's trying to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> it has a little bit of... But, but it really actually does change the meaning. Yeah. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil right. is what Paul told Timothy. Right. Uh, and, and so it's kind of a misquotation yes. uh, that's kind of reached into and our And it's vernacular. not true. Money is that's not right. the root of all evil. That's right. The love of it is. All right. And then uh, from Chris in the U.K., uh, the eye is the window of the soul. That's a quote he says by John Wesley. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, there there are scriptural um, connotations of that. It's not a, it's not a, a direct quote from the scriptures. Um, and uh, mis- uh, uh, the eye is the window of the soul is the misquote from the sermon. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's not from John Wesley. I've got to clean this text of God. This is John Wesley. Um, the sinner's prayer, unless you count Luke 18, verse 13, which was the... Uh, as you referenced the the publican and the uh, and uh, Pharisee yeah, praying the, there, the, the sinner's prayer is actually a whole nother genre. Yeah. Uh, the sinner's prayer, once saved, always saved, asking Jesus into your heart. Th- those are kind of sayings that that trying to encapsulate some kind of theological teaching. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably it's it, that's its own show. That's its own sermon. But uh, it is a, you can't find the sinner's right, prayer anywhere in the that's scriptures. Right. And so that's this right. and, and but they quote it like you would think the way it's quoted and used it. Though, surely you've got to find oh, it somewhere yeah. in there. And in fact, y'all had a good show on that not too terribly okay, long ago. <laughs> okay, you can do it. Look at right there. Uh, the, the idea, and, and, and he goes, Chris goes on. Give your heart to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. I haven't heard that one. You never heard that one. No. Okay. Hey, I, Ramona had one though that I got circled big. Trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and then we have. Uh, uh, Kevin in the chat room. Uh, let's see. Let's see here. We got to go. Um, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Cannot be found anywhere in the Bible. Yeah, that one would be a, a condensed for, uh, form of "He who hates his child uh, spares the rod." Okay. Um, and then uh, cleanliness sounds a little Pharisaical to me. Kevin says uh, maybe Kevin has a dirty desk and he doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, idle hands are the devil's tools. Oh yeah. That dates back to. Uh, 1386 in Chaucer's Tale of Melibe. Okay, interesting. 929, this too shall pass. Okay, there's a great story about this too shall pass. Okay, let me know. Uh, when Mike Dicka got fired from Chicago Bears, yeah. he came out from the press conference, and he's just real, I mean, imagine Mike Dicka crying. Yeah. And he's crying, he's all teary-eyed, and uh, some reporter asked him, you know, some question about how you feel, and he says, well, you know, as the Bible says, this too shall pass. Yeah. Problem is, it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, maybe he doesn't. He's not going to have a job as a preacher. Yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, Nine twenty nine says uh, trials and difficult circumstances are difficult to bear, and one comfort that many have come to share with friends assailed by trouble is the saying, "This too shall pass." Though the possible origins of this saying are too many and varied to review in depth. One early reference comes from the old English poem, 
Uh, Kevin says, uh, these are things which defile man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. So he's, he's, he's on that uh, cleanliness next yeah. to, to uh, godliness. Uh, 929, wedding vows are not actually anything ever presented in Scripture, but the vows typical to Christian weddings are derived from the roles and responsibilities that Scriptures place upon the husbands mm. and the wife. Let, let, me, let me give you one before we go to the break. And, well, no, there's no oh, more break. We've there's got, no more break. No, we've got about oh, six more minutes. So we've got uh, to go one, one more. You're to be in the world but not of the world. Okay. I spent a good 15 minutes one day searching for that. Yeah. I, I thought, well, I'll check my ESV. Well, maybe that's how it's in the King James. <laughs> maybe that's how it's in the New American Standard. Yeah, yeah. It's not there. Okay. I, I spent a long time looking for this verse, okay. Okay. and it's not there. It, it really encapsulates nicely. Yeah. Biblical teaching, right. but that exact wording is not there, and I actually spent a while looking for and it. And you're not the only one who's gone to the <laughs> scriptures for things that, that and, and even scriptural principles. You're looking yeah. for a verse, and uh, it's not there, but, uh, but the principles is, yeah. there, is there. All right, great. Uh, quickly, uh, before we conclude, um, we asked, what are some danger of phantom verses? And I think there are several. Uh, we have uh, Chris in the U.K. Uh, it allows people to say things that people believe are biblical, which is either anything but or enough from the original to allow dangerous thoughts to be expressed. To misquote God's word is a tactic of Satan, father of lies, and he would love to deceive even the elect. Yeah. That's that's true. Well, Satan you, misused scriptures and misquoted scriptures uh, as he tempted Jesus. Well, yeah, as he tempted Jesus. Uh, the first temptation in Genesis chapter 3 yeah. was a twisting of God's word. Yeah. Um, and, and so this has been a tactic of Satan from the very beginning. So it, this is very dangerous. It is very dangerous. We need to be aware of that. And then uh, Ramona in Texas says people start believing that they are, in fact, from the Bible and adjust their lives accordingly, which they should not. All right. And then I uh, this was a softball question, Clay, uh, uh, but uh, how do we avoid this? Well, uh, I think one of the ways to avoid it, um, and let me address, I'll address it two ways. One of the ways to avoid this as preachers and as teachers um, is to limit ourselves in quoting these phantom Bible verses, yeah. or at the very least, um, qualify it uh, by saying that. You know, I, I, let me just give you a, a, a colloquial proverbial <laughs> saying or yeah, something yeah. of that nature. Yeah. Uh, but the other the other way is is really to get into the Bible. Right. Uh, you know, I, I recognize that not everybody is going to read their Bible, and so now I now I have kind of changed that and say, get into your Bible. Every, almost everybody has an iPhone or or uh, or a smartphone. Put some Bible apps on there, okay. uh, audio apps. Listen to it in the car. Pick it up and read it for yourself and learn what it actually says. Write some on a note card. That's Put right. Somewhere where you'll see. Them. That's right. All right. Let's see what uh, our, our listeners say. Chris says, "Know your Bible. Check what you were taught, and ever and never be ashamed to ask where is that from, so you can read it for yourself." So you know it is from the Word, not just worldly philosophy. The pulpit is uh, for us uh, to learn about Christ and Him crucified. The pulpit is for us to learn about Christ and Him crucified, not about this world's philosophy, the, the uh, pastor's home life or upbringing. They should open the Word, read the Word, and then speak the Word. All else is waste of air. I would agree with that. And then uh, Ramona says, just read and study the Bible. Yep. All right. Um, and then... Um, Let's see. We had a question from Tim earlier tonight, if I can find it. Tim, I'm afraid it slid off my screen. Uh, Tim's question was, what about using uh, truisms or thoughts from worldly sources? Maybe Buddhist sources he referenced. I don't have his – it slid off the screen, so I can't give it to you in his entirety. But what about that? Um, I I don't necessarily see any danger in, in using a truism or using any kind of proverbial statement, but to use it in place of God's word. Right. Um, I, I think that that shows a disregard for, for what God has said. And the only way we're going to be able to accept it is if it harmonizes with God's right. word, so we might as well use God's word to right. start with. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. Well, uh, Clay, we are just out of time, but an excellent discussion. Appreciate you for uh, supplying the topic tonight and for your study and, and well, thank uh, your you. comments. Uh, it's been a good discussion. And appreciate uh, it. Appreciate that. Jeff's been behind controls. Jeff, thank you for helping us out, uh, getting us on the air tonight. And thank you uh, for joining us on the program. Kevin concludes, truisms can sometimes just be platitudes, not much meat of the word.
mm. in those terms. That's that, mm-hmm. that is a good. That is a truism, Kelly. That thank is. you, or Kevin. Yeah. Thank you for saying uh, <laughs> that. Uh, and Henry says we're to preach the word in season and out of season. Uh, guest 929. We, we we got to conclude here, but the comments are still coming in. Guest 929. We don't want to be nitpicky when someone uses one of these phantom verses, especially if they have the right concept. We need to be careful how we correct them. Yes, I'd agree oh, with that. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. But the, 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 the lesson for us as a result of our discussion tonight is just make sure that what we what we were saying and what we believe is founded in God's Word. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.